ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. You're listening to The Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. If you gamble, use your game sense. Stay within your limit. Go to gamesense.ab.ca and learn more. And uh, our next guest, of course, uh, analyst for the uh, Ottawa Senators, uh, was the uh, the number two overall pick in the uh, 2005 NHL entry draft. Uh, played 866 games in the National Hockey League. Had uh, multiple, uh, what is it, six, seven, seven, 20-time uh, goal score, including uh, four 30-goal seasons. Bobby Ryan joins us. Uh, Bobby, welcome to the show. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, Terry Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing good, fellas. Thanks for the uh, the nice introduction. Sometimes I forget those things. So. Hey, buddy, how, how do you forget those numbers? You kidding me? Jeez, guys would guys would trip over themselves to jump in the league and have uh, four consecutive thirty goal seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, it was something, but uh, yeah, you you tend to forget. Yeah, that, no. Age. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, give me your thoughts from a guy who obviously, you know, you, you cover auto very closely. The Jacques Martin situation here, like a, a coaching mentor. I understand that the players went to organizations and say, hey, we don't want a lot of changes. And I understand that, but they're in last place still. I know they have tons of games in hand, but, you know, even if you look at their points percentage, they're, they're 14th. The season hasn't gone as well as they would like. Is this, is this a good move? Is this just extending kind of a stay of execution for the head coach? How do you view it? I, I view it as both those things. Uh, I don't think they brought in Jacques Martin to be the replacement. Um, there's been some speculation on that, but nobody nobody has the inner workings of what Jacques Martin wants at 71 years old. So it's hard to say exactly what the thing is uh, going to turn out to be. But what I do what I do appreciate about it right now is it's an extra set of defensive eyes. Yeah, you can talk about the Ottawa Senators. They go north very well. They, they're good offensively. They score five on five. The power play is pretty good. Where they struggle is defensive zone lapses and attention to detail. And those are two things that Chuck Sartan is going to bring to the table, as well as some defensive accountability um, with the staff, right, and making sure that you're, um, you're rewarding the guys that play well defensively to get the puck moving north. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a breath of fresh air for some guys to hear a different voice not to take away from the coaches that are there, but I do believe that sometimes it gets stale and they've had that group for six years now. And sometimes it just needs uh, a tweak or, or something different to, to kickstart things. So you look at like Thomas Shabbat, unfortunately he's got a lot of injuries, but the defensive issue, like I didn't pick Ottawa to make the playoffs this year. I thought they'd, I thought they could be a 90 point team and be right there, but I still didn't love their overall defense group because I don't think they have a lot of natural defenders. You know what I mean? Like guys who are defense first. Do do you view it that way? And do you think they need to maybe just change some personnel moving forward on their back end? To a degree, I think, and while I appreciate what you're saying, I do think the game has changed so much that it's become such a puck moving 
position. Um, I think where they find trouble is that they have three of very, very similar players in Sanderson, Chikrin, and Shabbat. Um, and then you have to fill out around them. So your five and six aren't necessarily going to be natural defenders. You do need penalty killers to fill in the gap. But you have three offensive defensemen that um, that you're building around. And if you put two or two, excuse me, if you put two of them together, um, you better have the puck because they're not all great defensively just yet. Sanderson will be, but he's learning. Shabbat and Chikrin are kind of who they're going to be already. Um, but I do agree with the take that they, in years past, they brought, they tried to bring in some bigger, burly guys to defend the net a little better, and it hasn't worked out. Um, I do think they have some guys waiting in the wings that are going to take that step to be that. But, um, you know, if, if you're looking at this season, time is kind of of the essence, and I don't know exactly where you make a change to bring that in right now. But um, they are lacking that. that. There's no question. Even Zub, who's a big guy, is not a physical guy. He's just a good puck-moving defenseman that can defend. But if he can't defend with grit, um, it makes getting to the net a lot easier. And that's, that's where they struggle, in front of the net in those battles. Bobby, like many teams that were a little bit more optimistic at the beginning of the season, they haven't had great goaltending. But I think they've got a couple of above average, I won't say great, but possibly goaltenders. Now, I haven't seen all the games. I watch when I can. But Mm -hmm. I know the numbers aren't great. So how do the fans, what's the feeling around the team? Do you think they'll go for trade for a goalie, or do you think they're confident in what they have? I think they're quite content. I don't want to say confident. I do think they're content with what they have. I, I view it as more of a a 1B and a 1B situation. I think that you can ride one of them when, they, when their hand gets hot. Like, Forsberg's been great um, the last couple wins, but it doesn't necessarily go hand-in-hand. Hand. You can't win in this league with a goalie that's pitching an 850 save percentage, which he had been doing. But at the same time, I do think that they're asking their goalies to make too many grade-A chances, say, uh, excuse me, grade-A saves a game. I think sometimes you're up in the 10 to the 12 region. That's, that's just too much to ask. I think when they get tighter defensively, then yes, they have two very, very good goaltenders and quite capable goaltenders of stealing games. You just have, you have to ask a little less of them than they are getting right now. So they're probably saying we have no support while the fans are screaming for their heads to make a save. So it's kind of a catch-22. <laughs> You've got to get better across the board. The goaltending is capable. You just can't allow them to have odd man rushes. You can't allow them to get backdoored. You can't allow them to be – you can't be asking them to make 10-bell saves two minutes into a game, which is quite consistent with the way the Sens start games. Now, Bob, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, here in Edmonton – now, Edmonton and Minnesota are 100-point teams, so maybe it's an unfair comparison because Ottawa is not that. But uh, they were two teams that were underachieving, um, and, and guys who people were raving about their coaches is – as recent as last season, they make coaching changes. Now, I I thought both teams were underachieving, right? So I guess my question to you in a long run, is Ottawa underachieving, and could a coaching change maybe just be the spark to get it going, or are there deeper issues? I think there's some deeper issues. I think that anybody that generally replaces a a coach midseason, and we're not even going to call it that, let's call it it the quarter mark. When When you replace a coach at that point in time, you're going to win some games out of the gate, and then you will settle back into a team that you were. You, players are just going to play a little harder trying to assert themselves into a position, right, to put their best foot forward with a new coach. That's understandable. So you're going you're gonna to win some games out of the gate, and you're going to play a little harder out of the gate. Um, you'll see the benefits of it. But it, you know, time necessarily settles it back down, and you, you become the team that you already were while trying to implement that. I don't I, – I've been, I've been very adamant that I don't think the coaching staff is necessarily the problem in Ottawa – 
Um, I, I think that when you look at DJ Smith's era for the first five years, he wasn't asked to win. He was asked to teach. Now he's being asked to win and coach. And there's, it takes time. It takes time to change that over. Um, and players, players are you know, being met with a different set of expectations than in years past. And, and quite frankly, it's a large jump. So there's going to be some growing pains, and I think that's what they're going through. It's just the growing pains of learning how to compete every night, play the system every night. Um, they've been losing for so long that they get to a point where they start chasing a game way too early and not relying on themselves enough in the third period to win games late. So there's some issues. I don't necessarily think the coaching changes. While it's been said that it's not imminent, I don't think it's necessary. I, I've played for DJ. He certainly knows how to motivate, and that's the head coach's main job. Bobby, Josh Norris, I watched the game against the Rangers. He looks engaged. I know he's been inconsistent. I won't say playing poorly. I don't really know. But I'm curious. Do you think the somewhat slow start, or at least inconsistent part of it, had anything to do with the injury that he suffered in the off, or I guess last season, and his uh, time off due to that injury? And uh, how does he look now? Did I just see an outlier, or has he looked a lot better as of late? I think he looks – I think the word engaged is good. I, I wouldn't – and I, I'm a big fan of Josh's game and the way that he plays. Um, he hasn't been great, but people forget he missed a year of hockey with a really bad injury at 24 years or whatever it is of age with not a lot of time under his belt. So, it's, you know, games played previous to the injury. So there was going to be a curve. He came out and scored two goals, and everybody thought our 35-40 goal scores back. And I was very quick to say, let's pump the brakes a little bit here he's running on a lot of adrenaline tonight. He's going to come back down to earth. And I think he's settling back into trying to find consistency. Um, the chances have been there. I, I saw a couple, couple nights ago, he had some really good looks that just didn't go, but he consistently finds himself into areas to shoot the puck. Um, and it's not for a lack of effort. I'd like to see him grow his game a little bit defensively. He's, he's on the North side of the puck too much for me, but those are coachable things and he will absolutely get back to that player um, and that goal scorer, I believe that by watching his game, uh, knowing the person, I, I think he's just going through it a little bit, and that's that's to be expected when you miss that much time. Brady Kachuk is a, is a player could play on my team any day, Bobby. Yeah, I, I love just I love his intensity. You know, I love like at times he'll get. I think hockey is you know what's a. You, it's an emotional game, and you can get into it with your teammates as long as it's respectful, and then you're fine afterwards. You know, he pushes a lot of the right buttons. Where do you think his frustration level is at with how things are going right now? Like, he's had a good season, got 13 goals, right? Like, he's, you know, I, I think yeah. as a guy with all the shots he gets, he, he should be a 45-goal scorer, at least, to be honest. Like, he's right around there. He's where you're supposed to be. But yeah. wh- where is he at? And you know, he's a still, he's a pretty young guy to be a captain, right? In a time where an organization, everybody was expecting this to be the breakout year, and it doesn't look like it's going to be. I I, I think he's it's such a great question because watching the body language, and it's it's hard to tell with a guy like Brady because you you just know that he's going to be in the fight every night, and that's what you ultimately want from your captain. He is, in my experience, he's a he's a little more quiet than I think people think in the room, uh, and maybe I had him just just a young kid that was learning, but he had all the I guess the attributes you would look for and what's going to be a captain. He's got a way of dragging guys into the fight. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I always have room for him on a team. I don't think he's fed up by any means. I, I think I think sometimes he lets his emotions get the best of him um, out there. But I, but I do believe he's 
he's the right guy for the job. I think he's very, very committed to the process that they have going there. So that's going to take some time, and he understands that. He's sick of not playing in the playoffs. I, I completely get that. Um, but now, now it's the time when you find out if your captain's actually got it, right? And he's going to be able to drag those guys into the fight every night because now mm-hmm. is when you're just going to start to get – you're going on the road for a really hard trip after this week. Um, you got to keep your guys engaged, and you got to win some games because you got games in hand. You're not – when you look at the win percentage, they're not out of it by any stretch of the imagination. They just have to string together, you know, a couple games straight here and there. But, uh, you know, I've played with a lot of guys, and if you ask me one guy that I would absolutely follow all the time, I think it would be Brady Kachuk. He's up there. What's your expectations for Patrick Kane in Detroit? I, I don't know if I love the fit. Um, I, I, I would assume he's going to play with Debrinket. Is he playing? Is it tonight? Yes. Or the, the, I, I thought so. I, I thought they were talking about his first game possibly being in Ottawa the other day. I think he'll settle in naturally with Debrinket, and that gives him, that's probably part of the reason he signed there is because there's some familiarity, um, and he's not going to a completely – new set of line mates. So uh, it's hard to set an expectation on a guy that's always been over a point per game. And I don't know where he's going to slot in on the power play there, but, um, you know, Patrick's going to do Kaner things. (laughs) He's going to find ways to contribute at the very least. Most nights he's going to draw attention to himself. So even if he's not at his best after the injury and he's lost a step in his age and injury, um, you still have to pay attention to him everywhere. So I think he's going to help that team. I think Detroit's a playoff team this year, and I didn't, I, I didn't pick that early on, but um, I've watched four or five games in the last, uh, call it, call it half a month, and man, they look good. Um, but but at times they look terrible too. So <laughs> it's just that, it's that weird part of the year where I, I can't wait till January where you can really start to see the separation between the teams that have taken the jump and the teams that have regressed. And uh, one last one for me, uh, Bobby. As a guy who knew how to score, right, we, we outline your numbers off to start. Scoring regularity is difficult to do in the National Hockey League. There's no question. As a former player, when you watch some of the guys, and, you know, Connor McDavid was a little banged up, uh, then admittedly even kind of, you know, lost a little mojo for a very short time for him. But uh, he's obviously back uh, at a level that very few players are. Um, when you played against guys like Crosby and Ovechkin, who are just, you know, they're in a little di- different of a category, is there is it is there ever like a mental, you know, do they have a mental advantage before some games where guys are almost scared of them? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. And don't think they're not aware of it. Right. They know they know. And here's the thing. Sometimes I've been on teams where we you know, played for Guy Boucher. We went in to play Conor McDavid, and we just had somebody stand next to him the whole game, and he still he still had two points. You're just <laughs> you cannot prepare for what he's going to do. So you absolutely, when your sole focus is on one player, and we'll just use McDavid because you're an Edmonton as, as an example, um, it, it takes away from the rest of the game. But you have to do it. You have to pay that special attention to a player. So yes, they're in your heads before you start. You see him across the line when you're lining up for face-offs or whatever, and you're like, okay, my sole purpose right now is not to score. It's not to get scored on. And if it's McDavid lately, it's not to end up on a highlight reel like Burns did. <laughs> so uh, they, they absolutely have a leg up going into games, and you're, and you're very, very cognizant of the fact that they know they're good, they know they're the best, and they're going to push it. Well, Bobby, hey, uh, quickly, uh, Ottawa-Toronto, it's always a big rivalry. Uh, you know, the Sens, you mentioned, they got to get on a roll here, like Edmonton and Minnesota, you got to get going. And Toronto's a, a team that's a, a little weak on their back end. How do the Sens exploit them tonight? Well, I think you, you need to gain the center of the ice, which Ottawa does a good job of. When you think about the way the Stutzel plays, um, Drew plays, they, they get off the wall well. 
Um, you need to you need to command the center of the ice tonight. You need to drive the back the D back. Uh, I think a lot of their D are good if when they have time and space to make reads, but when you when you put the pressure on them and you have them on their heels and you make them make split decisions, whether it's taking puck or body, uh, you, you can expose some weaknesses. They just have to play. You cannot run and gun um, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's, that's not the way the Sens are built to play, so you, you can't get trapped into that. And, and ultimately, um, you, you have to shut down 34 and, and Nylander. That's, that's really all it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, no, Nylander's a hell of a player, man. He's playing the most. Oh, man. <laughs> he's, he's about to get a bag, isn't he, this oh, summer? Oh, <laughs> jeez, yeah, lots of bags. Uh, no yeah. question, uh, no question. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, thanks for this. We really appreciate it. Have a great day. It's my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Uh, Bobby Ryan. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 